Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Are you good now? <laughs> I think I hope so. Okay, well, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. I guess it's our slogan now. Film pipe. I'm Brittany Ross. <laughs> Catherine Flincham is the redhead in Colorado, and we're joined by Cassie Holmes, the redhead in Virginia slash uh, medical professional slash viola player slash BFF. <laughs> Uh, none of these are my medical pr- or professional opinion. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a medical question, see your doctor. That's my recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are we going to be talking about medicine today? I think he talks about it in here in the first chapter. Does he? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we had the whole conversation about how practicing was like, you can practice your craft, and anything can be your craft. Yeah. Yeah, but wait, but this one, like, he talks about, like, we. I picked this this episode because I, I saw credentialing, and I was like, ooh, I know all about credentialing. Oh, yeah, because you've had a million years of school. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have so many credentials. <laughs> uh, so we read the, I keep wanting to say chapter or section, I don't know what to call them, the blurb in Seth Godin's The Practice called No Such Thing as Writer's Block. Yeah, go ahead, Cassie. Tell us about the first section. Yeah. Credentials. Oh. Well, yeah, his first section is about, is literally called Credentialing is a Roadblock, which I guess he's trying to... He kind of says that, like, credentialing is just really gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that anyone can kind of get like a degree or a license and whatever and you don't have to be super good at the thing and sometimes you can actually benefit from being in the actual field instead of Mm -hmm. going to school or whatever yeah yeah i mean i understand the sentiment but does he have a better idea than credentialing i think his idea is just do the work (laughs) Yeah, but that doesn't work for society. No, I think it, it depends on <laughs> what you do. Like, you're you're in medicine, so I think anyone who's in medicine should go and get their credentials. Yeah, I don't think my bachelor's in uh, music, perf- uh, bachelor of music performance will get me into a hospital, so. Um... Did you have to look up your degree to remember what your degree was in? <laughs> yeah, I just, like, looked, it's like. What did I get? And I like had to like squint and read up on my ceiling for a second. But yeah, I don't think that will get me a job in medicine. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I get it for like. I mean, you always hear those stories about people that learn like, like technical skills, like coding and like stuff like that and that is like i mean you also don't need a degree to be a good musician like yeah it's like art's the same way like going to like a great art school doesn't necessarily make you a better artist than like someone else that works just as hard and is like just going about it a different way or has different talents or accessibilities or whatever but definitely socially we have to gatekeep to a degree 
I don't know. You guys all knew that that person in college that was like deluded and thought they were going to be a doctor. And you're like, you're not. (laughs) You shouldn't be a doctor. (laughs) And you know what? Credentialing in the gatekeeping kept them out. (laughs) That's what the weeder courses are for. Like, so yeah, we need it to a degree. (laughs) It's interesting that you say that because I actually thought that this was like the strongest part of the chapter because I was like, yeah, he's actually starting out strong because I wasn't thinking about medicine. I was thinking of music. I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of hated grad school and maybe I would have benefited more from doing music, like full-time music, like an internship or whatever, playing with a symphony mm-hmm. or doing whatever instead of going and studying violin rep with a teacher that didn't like me in a program that was not the greatest for two years. Those were dark mm-hmm. days. Those I don't are... like that guy in every minute. Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the feeling was pretty mutual. So, yeah, not, not a great time. Well, that's why, like, I kind of think about it where I've met a lot of people, at least when I was going to grad school, I met a few people that taken more than one year off between, you know, they're graduate and bachelor's degree and stuff and, like, wanting that world, like, that real world experience and seeing what's out there. And I did the same thing. I mean, I did it for a year, but I kind of was like reading that last like sentence in that first section that he talks about the credentials. And he was like, if you're thinking about getting a master's degree or going to graduate school, you might as well just work. And I was like, I spent three years roadblocking. Because <laughs> I added an extra year of grad school because I was like, I need to like continue my education. <laughs> and I guess it's like you got to think about like your payoff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, for me, like, education is directly tied to like my scope of practice and my income. So, right. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes sense for me to go, but it's, like, other fields are not like that. Like, you don't need an MBA necessarily in business. Like, that's not going to guarantee you the, the same, like, consistent payoff, like, unless you leverage it the w- right way. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because it does open doors in fields like music, for example. Like, after I got my master's, I... I was suddenly considered for all these clinicianing gigs that I wasn't mm-hmm. considered for with my undergrad. I was taken more seriously by, um, like, regional symphonies and just put on sub-lists without auditioning by people who haven't even heard me play just because I had a master's. Same. And I can have a little bit more weight I can throw around just because I have that piece of paper. hmm Yeah. Which is interesting because it doesn't mean that I'm, like, a super great violinist. Like, they don't know anything about me. (laughs) They're just like, yeah, you got this degree and you did this course and I guess you know what you're doing. I noticed that as well. Like, I definitely... I remember when I was living in Georgia, I sent out so many emails to people like, hey, I teach flute lessons. Hey, I can teach flute sectionals. And I got, like, no email back, and I sent my resume and everything. Granted, just had, like, you know, my bachelor's degree, but I was like, I'm, I need the experience I need. I want this experience. And then when I was going to school, and I was, like, sending out my resume and putting down that I was, like, applying for my, like, working on my master's, and then once I got my master's degree and put that in my resume, teaching, here we come. It's like, that's all I do now. It's literally yeah. all I do. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the same here. But I think we do definitely need to gatekeep and fields like medicine. Because mm-hmm. like yes. I should not be practicing medicine. I'm not practicing mm-hmm. medicine. Same with, I don't know, I've been watching a lot of like true crime and all that stuff right now and like law and I it's the same thing with a lawyer I cannot be a lawyer I do not know how to I know that for some people they're really good at like talking to people and kind of getting things out of people but for me I am not that person and I yeah no I feel like I need some a lot of credentials for that not not a lawyer yeah I think law should be another gatekeeping field yeah potentially I love that there was no transition between this section, which started out fairly strong for Seth, and into Rider's Block. I don't see how they were tied together. Or is that just me? No, there's no... (laughs) There's no I think he was more like... Because he kept mentioning... I don't think he said it directly. Credentialing is a roadblock. That roadblock was more the term that I got out of that was... Like, that's an excuse to keep you from doing your thing. Yeah, like, keep going to school. It's like you you meet a person that just keeps going to school for more degrees time after time after time before they, like, not they don't really go out to the real world and actually use their degree. I think it's something like that. And was this mentioned in Do Nothing or something? I feel like it I don't remember. There was a book that we read where there was something mentioned how someone just like keeps getting degree after degree after degree after degree, but not really utilizing the degree with actual work. And that's what I kind of mm-hmm. thought, like going to school just because you want to continue to learn the thing, which is fine, but there's comes a point where it's like, when are you going to do the thing? So that's how I kind of took yeah. it from that. And that's why I was like saying, I basically roadblocked for three years. Cause I, I mean, granted, I wanted to learn more from the teacher that I was learning from in my grad school program I really like felt two years wasn't enough and so I added that extra year in my grad school days because I wanted to learn more and I felt like I wanted to get a little bit more in school where I could have definitely still have gone out in the real world and you know did the same thing that I do now Mm -hmm. so I guess the link is roadblock because writer's block is a roadblock. Yeah, like, huh. and then he says there's no such thing as writer's block that we just made it up and I'm like yeah he basically gaslights the audience which is cool but okay Seth Godin <laughs> technically we've made up everything so not just writer's block I mean every everything's a construct <laughs> but doesn't he kind of say that like everything is your own perception so therefore you're also creating writer's block i'm like this is getting too meta this doesn't mean anything <laughs> i think he just really likes to like say opposite sentences right after each other and then he thinks that, that makes him sound like like he said something deep and meaningful and now you have to think harder but like yeah, it's not profound. It's just confusing. No, it's like trying to rip off, I don't know, like Zen writings and stuff like that. Like they just did a, they just wrote it better. <laughs> like like a billion years ago, they just, they already had it down and this is like an imitation. I could see that actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says that basically we create writer block because of doubt, being scared of uncertainty and perpetually polishing, I don't know, like our product or our practice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the whole chapter. 
I mean, when I would, like, draw and have a hard time, like, thinking about, like, what to draw, the thing is, like, you just have to find another way around. Like, you just, like, I don't know, Google random stuff and then draw that. Or you, like, it doesn't have to be good. It's just, like, the, it's not going to be your best work ever. But it was, like, have you guys heard of that? There was, like, that study, what was it? It was, like, where basically there, it was, like, an art class and they made one half of the art class make, like, hundred pots like the over the semester they just had to make as many pots as possible and then the other half of the class had to make the most perfect pot they could make i've seen this i've heard this before yeah 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 the people that made like a billion pots like yeah they had a lot of shitty pots <laughs> but like their end products were better than the other side that didn't output as many pots and just tried to make a perfect pot mm-hmm. yeah Wait. It's because they were practicing. Was that in this book? Yeah. Was this mentioned in this book? It might have been. I feel like it's been mentioned in some book that we definitely have read this year for the podcast. I know for sure. Everything is blending in. Yeah. Well, we're starting to read a lot of similar kind of things. I know. <laughs> it's all blending in together. <laughs> yeah. And he mentions that, too, I think, in the section... I don't remember what specifically it was. Where he just says that you need to keep working to get unblocked, basically. Like, keep writing. Like, he he's mentioned it before. But yeah, like, keep writing, keep making pots, keep practicing. <laughs> like Make so many pots. <laughs> yeah, make so many. I, I just want to <laughs> paint the pot. So many <laughs> shitty pots. That is the best part. Painting is the best Painting part. is the best part, always. I do find... I mean, I do agree with it. I find that when I'm avoiding something, because I don't, I don't really know about it. Do I really get writer's block? I guess, like, abstractly, writer's block. If I'm trying to practice something and I can't get the thing. But sometimes distance is what I need. Like, if I can just put it away yeah. and come back to it, that usually solves the problem. We're just thinking another way of solving the problem. Mm-hmm. I think it's just about not leaving it indefinitely. Yeah. Music's, like, different. Because I feel like I would, if I was having trouble with passages, I'd have to, like, put them down and walk away. And then, like, when I come back later, I don't know. You were, It would be better. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also because, like, music is more also, more also. Ugh. It's also more of a physical thing. So it's easy to get, like, muscle fatigue and, like, tongue-tied, Yeah, I guess, if you're just, like, doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to, like, maybe if you're just sitting at a computer and you're like, I don't know what words to put down. <laughs> what are words? I mean, David writes, right? Does he, yeah. like, complain about writer's block? Uh, sometimes. He's not as open with his writing as I wish he would be, but mm. he has complained about it before and i think that his approach is that if he is stumped on something he tries to do research to like educate him on whatever he's stumped about or he has like different like smaller stories or projects that he can just kind of Mm -hmm. move to so just redirecting so he's still writing but maybe it's not like the thing that he's trying to work on at that time which i guess falls under the you just keep working. You keep doing the thing. You keep practicing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
he made a comparison to a marathon, to marathon running, which I thought was cool because I was like, running. <laughs> and <laughs> what did you think of that? What did he say exactly? I remember that like being mentioned. I just don't remember what section. It's 143. A marathon is an infinite game. Oh. I guess this guy's never finished a marathon himself. <laughs> that's that's honestly my takeaway. He's still running. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's finished a marathon either. He he's saying it's it's about cooperation, not direct competition, because you're usually trying to go against your own like PR, like what you can personally do instead of like you versus other people. And I can see that probably for most runners, but I feel like if you're like one of the people who's really elite and competing, then you are competing against other people. Also, it's not cooperative. Like, like cooperation requires, like, in my opinion, like active, like working together yeah. on an mm-hmm. activity between you and the other people. Like, just because you're not competing with the other marathon runners doesn't mean you're cooperating. That's true. Like, like no. it's not. It's kind of weird. It's kinda <laughs> like, like every man for himself. Yeah. Yeah, like you guys are just like you know playing on solo mode. That's it. You're just playing solo, but like, <laughs> like together. Yeah, you're all playing yeah. solo in the same room. Yeah, you're playing solo on the same map. We're all running. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he says too. He's he says that it's a weirdly solo activity and a weirdly social activity. And his comparison to the marathon is that the difference between the people who finish it and the people who don't finish it are what he says is where the people who finish put their tired. Like, everyone's tired when they run, but it's about your, like, your mental fortitude behind pushing yourself through that point. And people who aren't prepared for it, they're just like, I'm tired, and they stop, apparently. Mm-hmm. Just like writer's block, pain is invented. <laughs> <laughs> None of it's no. real. Uh, listen to your body. Yeah, <laughs> it tells you things for a reason. Is that medical advice? Yeah, also personal advice because I waited 48 hours to take myself in when I had appendicitis. Oh, no. I knew, uh, yeah, it was, you know. I thought I was fine. <laughs> My mental game is strong. Yeah, you also have a weirdly high pain tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to finish like this for an hour, I'd be in the ER so fast. Yeah, I'd probably like be at the hospital as soon as I feel a cramp or pain. Yeah, I'd be like, I have a cramp. <laughs> Please help. Um, Did y'all find all the improv references that he has in this chapter? There are so many. There are a lot of improv references. Is this like his thing? Is he like in? He was really into improv. I, I don't know. Is he? That I kind of wanted to ask y'all. Do y'all know if he's into improv or if he like? I have no clue. I should have looked up on YouTube before he was in improv. Let's take a Google uh, search. Yeah, I'm also looking it up. It sounds like I bet you this guy took like one improv class and now he's like so into it i i looked up <laughs> seth godin improv and the first thing that came up was spank me seth godin what so that's a thing it's not 50 shades y'all <laughs> i'm still scared for 50 shades <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I got the spank me Seth Godin. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I see that Google search because of my first search was improve and I was like, no, improv. <laughs> yeah, improv is spelled weird. Well, it's improvisation. It's just we shortened it because we are lazy. I haven't seen anything, so I don't think he does. But it seems like he has, like, influenced people in some way. What do you mean? He has... Doing improv comedy helped my writing? Like, I saw an article for that. Yeah, I see that. There, no, there's not really anything about him doing improv, but he just talks so much about it. I feel yeah. like I didn't know if he was actively involved in improv. Maybe that was just, like, an example? I don't I'm still confused by his shipping verbiage. Like, <laughs> he still uses that, and I don't get it. I think it's just sharing, or like distributing. It's sharing, but every time I read it, I'm like, "This is not UPS." Industrial co- clogs or cogs. Yeah. You know, like the end of the improv part where he was like, "We don't ship because we're creative. We're creative because we ship." All I could think of is people like shipping characters and like shows. <laughs> stuff and i'm like <laughs> like i mean i guess there's some creative shifts out there but <laughs> i'm just like it's just so weird like the choice of word is like so weird yeah, yeah i feel like it would also flow better if he was like we give our craft to people i guess it doesn't flow off well and that's why he chose ship as just abstract idea why wouldn't you choose like share i don't know too nice too caring. Sharing is caring. Too caring. Sharing is more relevant, like, a term, I would yeah, say. Yeah, but he wants to make it businessy. But then he, like, like this, he can't pick a side. And one minute he's against the, the, the machine, and the other minute he's in the machine. And I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, this book is, is something. Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver and let's say this person was me and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5 Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in store or online at LaBelleRosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal, and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm gonna be late. Oh, so I'm gonna go. Go to La Belle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. Drop <laughs> everything. Go. One thing that he says that I really like was in his section where he's talking about fine critics who give you honest feedback. Instead Mm -hmm. of people who are just trying to, like, be nice to you or say something that's not helpful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that. I mean, I thought about, like, our podcast. Like, whenever people talk to me about 
our podcast and they tell me, you know, what they like or what they think we could do better on. I'm always like, wow, thank you. It's and helpful to know what people think, you know? It's so helpful. It's helpful for us to figure out, okay, what books do we read? What topics do we talk about? What do we do? <laughs> and not having that feedback is not helpful. Or, I mean, it's nice to hear like, oh, yeah, I like your podcast, but it's like, yeah, what do you like hearing about it? What's something that you really enjoy or not enjoy? Tell me specifically. It's the same thing with like, it's the same thing with like my flute playing. If, don't be nice to me and say, it sounds great if it sounds like shit. Like, please tell me. I hate your flute playing, Catherine. I know that's not true. (laughs) I'm not going to listen to you, Brittany. (laughs) I can play flute better. That's, like, when I ask, like, Fardine, like, for if I ask him, like, oh, like, what do you think about this photo? And then he just was, like, it is good. And I'm, like, that that doesn't tell me anything. Just, like, sometimes if, like, the other day he was, like, I feel weird. Like, like he wasn't feeling well. But, like, I was, like, weird how? Like, you have to use your words. You can't just, like, like, I can't help you if you just say you feel weird. Just, like, like, it's not helpful if you just say, oh, yeah, it's good. Like. Like, my first viola teacher, I'll never forget, <laughs> literally, like, this man, all he could say in response was good and better. Like, so when I switched teachers, and I finally got a teacher that actually gave me, like, you know, sentence-long, <laughs> like, constructive feedback, I was like, oh my god, I learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> not just good, better. Like, all he said was good and better. That was it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> also, he had, like, basketball player hands, so he'd be like, you can reach this tenth. And I was like, no! Like, no, I can't! You have, like, your hand is, like, the wingspan of an eagle. Like, like, I was, like, like sitting at my desk every day, like, trying to stretch my hands. Like, I'm stupid piece. Like... <laughs> Cassie's putting her hands through those, like, torture devices. How does he get his fingers so long? We need those hot dog fingers. Yo, no, my hands are, like, different lengths. Oh, God. The hot dog fingers. Yeah, I almost had hot dog fingers. (laughs) If you had hot dog fingers, you could bend them easier. And they'd be longer. It's a win-win. If your listeners had your Patreon, they'd know what hot dog fingers are. Yeah! <laughs> Check us out at patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was some good improv there, everyone. It was good. A plus. Good, good team effort. Good or better team effort? <laughs> Just good. <laughs> well, I guess we gotta do better now. <laughs> I mean, this was just pretty... I put a lot of, like, redundant, and there were, like, moments where I felt like the generous section came back, and I don't know, there were moments where I just kind of felt like this was all a blur, because it was just so long. I'm gonna be real savage. This book could have been a tweet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but... (laughs) No, don't be sorry. (laughs) You're you're not wrong. (laughs) I think that's pretty valid. (laughs) (laughs) In our last episode, we said that this was store brand Atomic Habits. Mm. Hey, store brand is sometimes the same. 
brand repackaged. I get store brand a lot of shit because it's cheap. It's a little insulting yes. to store brands. Except Target brand, Target brand saran wrap, never, ever, ever buy it. Also, it's Walmart brand terrible. Greek yogurt tastes terrible. Okay, Walmart brand is the one store brand I actively avoid. No, Walmart brand most things is fine, but the Greek yogurt tastes like chemicals. Ugh. It probably it's is probably chemicals. Actual... It's probably chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, it's probably put right next to the fertilizer, right? Because that's how they organize the store. <laughs> yeah, it's actually not even refrigerated, so I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I think like the, the 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 cat litter and the baby food are like right next to each other in my Walmart, and I'm always just like, who? Why? Do you look like, at both of them and you get confused on which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? Which which one do I put in my cat's litter box? Cassie comes home with twenty jars of baby food and starts adding it into her litter box. She's like, this is what I got. <laughs> Flops would in be the right so section. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and th- that's why Fardine handles the litter. <laughs> uh, oh man. He's there's a section where he's talking about how people kind of blame writer's block on quote unquote their muse and they just blame it on not being ex- expired. <laughs> inspired and how that it's just kind of like a vicious circle. It's kind of more of the same, but I thought it was a good point to make how some people really hinge doing things on becoming inspired to do them instead of just doing the thing. I mean, like, I've done art of various kinds for most of my life, and I've never understood, like, the concept of it. Like, the mute. Like, a mute. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know. I guess maybe because muses were always shown as, like, people or something like that but like i don't know i've never had one i've never had one either but i feel like in this context he's just talking about when people say like they're muse i think they just mean like feeling inspired and using that as as their motivation instead of being like inherently self-motivated to do a thing that's how i kind of got it i kind of I kind of visualized Muse as somebody, I thought more of in a musical perspective of, like, somebody that you would look up to, like, what they're playing. I think about, mm-hmm. like, flute players that I admire and teachers that I admire, and I use that as inspiration sometimes when I play or when I practice. I kind of, I took it like that, but I don't let it, like, I, I, that's not, like, one of the main contribute fact, like, contributing factors of me that inspires me to practice or play, but it is... It does take influence, but mm-hmm. I mean, he had a whole chapter on the boogeyman. That was a uh, also another <laughs> another experience. That's also on our heads. <laughs> we made it up so kids can like behave and go to like go to bed. <laughs> behave and go to bed. The boogeyman's gonna get you. I liked his list on the forty-five ways that you sacrifice work. I felt like they were all the same. That list could have been a tweet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're all set up like blog posts, which he is a blogger. So I wonder if 
these are all blogs that he wrote and then just like slapped them into a chapter or oh wait that would make so much sense if this book is just random shit he pulled off his computer that would make sense why it doesn't make flow like he just wrote random paragraphs and found them in his like files oh my gosh and he put it like in a section that's relatable like yeah yeah, and he's like, these all apply vaguely to generous. He <laughs> calls this a bonus, the 45 ways. There are 45 ways. I thought you were going to say a boner. No. He, he just puts bonus. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, is this the end of the chapter? I thought it was the end of the chapter, but it's not. But... Me too. If you watch that Spank Seth Godin video, I'm sure you can find 45 boners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're not after dark right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> in this daytime in this podcast, Cassie. <laughs> it's almost nighttime where I am. <laughs> Save your spiciness. It is still daylight out here. <laughs> that cloud is moving very slowly above me. Mm. So it's still daylight, but it's getting darker. Woo! Summer. I don't know. I like I like the 45 ways. I can kind of see how they're all similar, but it's just very simple. Like it is simple. It's like number 1, stall. Like you just stall. If what's preventing you from doing your work? Stalling. I mean, do you know how many times I stalled though? A lot. I procrastinate. A lot. A lot. That's I totally get That's it. basically my middle name. I just procrastinate. Do you ship Crap, that's number four. Shipping crap is number four. I mean, I don't think so. It's kind of a personal question there, Catherine. (laughs) It's not me. It's Seth Godin. Number four, ship crap. That's in his list. But when I think about that, I just keep thinking about UPS. So I'm not really thinking about sharing my craft or... Anything. Number 10 has become a diva. I mean, my cat's already done number 10. Yeah, same with mine. I was thinking, like, <laughs> well, Lacey's downstairs. I don't know. <laughs> Can't mm, bring her up. Looking at you, Bartok. <laughs> He's like, glare. is he in the room with you? No, but I'm metaphorically looking at him. Copy everything. Copy nothing. Don't go to work. Work all the time. Assume that inspiration lies in a bottle or a pill. He starts low-key referencing, like, how alcohol is some people's incentive in this chapter, which I think that could have been something worth diving into, but it really only gets, like, a passing mention like that. I mean, he doesn't really address anything deeply at all. No. Mm -mm. Which is why this book should have been a tweet. It would hit the same surface level. (laughs) (laughs) Be more efficient. (laughs) I'm kind of curious how, because it says on the cover, like, he's the best-selling author of This Is Marketing, and I'm kind of curious, like, is it the same kind of writing style and approach, like, the practice, that book? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is this a self-help book? Is that what these are called? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm, maybe I don't like self-help books, because I'm already self-motivated. We've read better self-help books. Like, Atomic Habits was great. Like, uh, it was, mm-hmm. it was clear, and it was explain like it explained things clearly Mm. and really broke down topics 
It was basically how to have good habit building to get the result that you want for anything. Mm. And it was clear, concise, and broken down, and very formulaic. Mm-hmm. And also very realistic. This is very repetitive, very stream of consciousness. This is what Cassie like mentioned in the first episode mm-hmm. kind of setting. And he makes like good points and everything, but it's just redundant. Like I totally get it. Like we are it like the writer's block is us. Like we get in our own way. Sometimes we stall. We don't want to do the work that we want to do in the long run. But actually doing the work is hard for us because it's work and we're just kind of making excuses for ourselves. You got to work, bitch. Yeah, like you got to work. There's no such thing as writer's block. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's not like writer's block doesn't exist. It's more just like writer's block is another excuse to just not do things. Yeah, it's like you don't want to do the hard thing because it's hard. And I think your sentence, your one sentence about that, Brittany, was more clear, though, than his, like, <laughs> hundred sentences of that exact same thing. Maybe I should be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I think it would make more sense. Make it simple. Make it simple. Just, like... I mean, I'm a very simple person, so I feel like I could do that. Clear, concise, to the point. <laughs> Did y'all have anything else that you wanted to add about this section? I wonder how it ends. I feel like the, like, what are the last three sections again? Um, Seek out constraints. Something about assertions. Earn your skills, and then I think you're right. Make assertions. So. Sure. I'm kind of curious what those all entail, but I'm also kind of like, this is going to be very repetitive, too. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. I did like at least that he brought up the theory of professional exceptionalism. <laughs> what was that again? That was the one where, like, you know how all doctors rate themselves, like, you know, oh, I'm like the top 10% of doctors because patients self-select <laughs> to their provider. <laughs> Right. Is that something that you encounter in your work a lot? But yeah, it happens all it literally happens all the time. I guess now I work in research, so like there's nowhere else for the patients to go. But um you know, even yourself as like a patient, like I mean I've gone to doctors and then I've not liked them and I've left and I found a different one because I mm-hmm. knew mm-hmm. that they weren't you know, I knew there was better providers out there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, but, uh, or a lot of times patients, like, if they think that you got it wrong the first time, and if you don't have, like, a good relationships with them, they'll just go follow up with someone different if the problem's still occurring, because mm-hmm. they don't trust you anymore, so. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah, so that's why, you know, a lot of providers think they're fine. <laughs> You're never fine. You can never rest. <laughs> You are never safe. I guess it's also <gasps> kind of the same with us, you know, and something less drastic and less serious and being private teachers. The people who stick with us really like us and do well. And mm-hmm. the people who leave, I feel like, unless there's like a super serious issue, I usually don't know why my students leave, which is actually why I had to make a termination survey to send the students 
mm-hmm. when they quit to figure out why they're quitting so I can improve in the future. Because otherwise I'm just like, oh, you're leaving. Okay. And then I'm validated by the students that I still have. Yeah. That's good that you sent a survey. I really like that idea. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that too. And except the one time I did send it, they didn't send me the feedback. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I wanted to know. <laughs> Not all of the students I send it to fill it back out, but yeah. I get like a 50% back. That's, and that's I'd say that's enough. okay. 50% that's all right. Yeah. yeah. I'll take that. But I mean, he kind of mentions that too, is like avoiding your criticism won't make what you want better. I think in that way, Brittany, like that's what you're doing. You're taking in like the feedback and the criticism and you're like, okay, how can I do something differently? You know? Mm-hmm. And he does mention and talk about that. Does he mention it quite? Like, I think he mentions it a couple times, but I did find that interesting because, I mean, it's the same with anything that we do. Like, if we think about with our practicing, going back to music school when we were, like, learning pieces and mm-hmm. we're taking in the feedback from, like, our studio class or faculty that are, like, judging us for our juries. And it's like, are you going to actually make... <laughs> improvement on this piece or are you gonna like let it stay the same you know for Mm -hmm. the performance that you actually have to make for this right which i found pretty relatable but yeah very very long (laughs) there were moments where i was just kind of like are we done yeah granted i was reading until midnight last night though so (laughs) no it was the same i split up my reading between I think it was yesterday and today. And I read like 20 pages of it yesterday. And I was like, this has to be done soon. And I saw there's like 40 more pages. And I was like, how is this? Like, I feel like we've hit all the points. It was mm-hmm. pretty painful how long it was. Like, or, it wasn't even that long. It was just that like, it was so repetitive that it just was like, like, what else? are you going to say like how can you just say the same thing again in a different way for the 50th time yeah mm-hmm. yeah i would agree with that well i guess that brings us to the end of our episode thank you for joining us yeah cassie thank you cassie yeah. is there anything that you would like to plug uh, my cat <laughs> you say that every time and Catherine has yet to shout out your cats on social Wait, media. I love them. So Wait, I, I think I did that one time. Did I? Waffles is very cute. She has little baby mittens. And then there's Flabjacks. He's very fluffy and is a bridge troll, so watch out. And Wait, then, what's a bridge troll? Yeah. yeah, he sits in doorways and like... Oh, will attack you? If you're not considered a... Uh, uh, a safe person, he will enforce the bridge payment, the blood price. <laughs> so anyone that's not you or Fardine. Does he, like, attack you? He'll swipe. Uh, yeah, we're, I'm okay and Fardine's okay. Um, <laughs> Is anyone else? Anyone else? No, he doesn't like anyone else. He only tolerated Fardine after a while. Um, he used to not like Fardine. Flapjack is kind of a dick. <laughs> He is, but he's good to his cat siblings. He's good with cats for some reason. It's very weird. He's a cat person. Uh (laughs) Or a cat-cat person. Gummy with her big gump truck, because she's got a fat butt. (laughs) Gump truck. Super cute. (laughs) 
<laughs> and her paws are so small. I'm always worried she's going to tip over. <laughs> are her paws, like, disproportionate to the rest of her body? Yeah, or maybe my other cats just have huge mitts. I don't know, but her paws are so little. <laughs> and she's, like, round or big on the top? She's, like... A, cil- a good cylinder like you know if I had to get a cylinder like label a cylinder I'd label gummy like <laughs> she should built that way <laughs> why are we making fun of this poor thick girl well she's perfect I love her very much Aww. she's her probably fitter than all of us because all she does is run for eight hours a day up and down the steps for no reason exercise is essential Lacey needs to start doing that. She just sleeps all day. <laughs> yeah, that's Waffles. Waffles is just like a bag of mush. <laughs> yeah. The only time like Lacey is activated, and this is the time of year because like flies get into the apartment, mm. like she'll run up and down the stairs when she sees like a moth because they always run up <laughs> into my loft. And mm-hmm. she just, she feels like she can actually get the moth too, which I think is hilarious because. Does she a... do like the chirping thing at them? She just sits and stares and, like, wags her tail like she's just amused. She doesn't chirp? She won't chirp. She'll just sit there and stare at the thing for hours. And it's, like, at the top of my loft and wait, I can't even reach the top of my loft, so. The (laughs) chirping is my favorite thing that cats do. All three of our cats do it. Like, they'll see something outside and then they go, I guess, like, chirping, is it, like, because Lacey does that, and she does that with, like, laser beams, and whenever I have my my cell phone, and it, like, reflects in the light, Mm -hmm. um, and makes, like, a little beam around the room, she'll go ecstatic, and you'll hear everywhere, and she'll try to chase it. It's her voice. Yeah, it's like that, and then sometimes our cats do it so quietly that you, like, see their mouths moving, but you don't really hear much Mm -hmm. of a sound, you just hear, like, the... <laughs> oh, did it? Okay, it's so really cute. that's chirping. I just thought it was like mm-hmm. screeching. Oh, they do it at birds to imitate bird sounds. I think, right? Yeah, they're trying to really? attract the birds to them. Yeah, oh. my cats do it at birds out the window. My cat is strange. <laughs> she does not. Like my cats will do it at squirrels and bugs. She doesn't do that. She only does it with that light. I don't know. Lacey's weird. <laughs> It's like Bartok loves a laser pointer, and whenever we shine it, he literally goes like this. <laughs> he licks his lips and tips his head, and I'm like, does that look yummy to you? <laughs> it's like, I want to eat the light. <laughs> Give me oh that light. <laughs> oh, I love our cats. Well, I love how we're like more intrigued talking about our cats than we are about this book, by the way. Just saying. Like... Hey. <laughs> I'm, I yeah. mean... Yeah. I feel like that speaks volumes. I mean, okay, to be fair, it, it's got, I don't know, there's few things better than my cats, though, so that's kind of unfair to compare him to my cats. That I think <laughs> that's, that's too high of a bar. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, well, if you want to see pictures of cats, you can follow me at BM Ross Music. You can follow Catherine at Cat Flinch Flute, because sometimes she posts pictures of Lacey. And you can also follow our podcast at Fiddle and Pipe. And we have pictures of cats there. Cassie, do you want to plug your social media? Mm, I put cats on my story on 
my Instagram sometimes. <laughs> if you want us, to, if you want to share pictures of your cat so we can put on our Instagram, we are more than welcome to do that, Cassie. All right, you've opened <laughs> Pandora's box. I'm gonna send you all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just like make a post full of cats. <laughs> they like we talked about cats. <laughs> Look at all these cats. Cats. It's our filler content for this episode because the chapter didn't give us enough. <laughs> Cassie, did you want to plug your handle? Mm, it's Casarilla with a K. Um, you can also find us at Fiddle and Pipe Forum on Facebook. Rate and review us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. That is free. And you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Fiddle and Pipe, where you can pay to hear extras like the hot dog fingers from Fifty Shades of Grey or cat stories. Twilight cat stories, Twilight trivia, all that. It's fun. It's Come a good time. join. Yeah. And we are not raising our prices because inflation. We are not the American economy. <laughs> we are the only thing not raising our prices right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so if you like what we do and you want to support your friends, consider joining us. Also sharing our podcast to your friends and family is the best way for us to keep growing. And I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Cassie, for joining us. Thank you. Give our love to your kitties. I will kiss them all on the head. Oh. Oh. (laughs) And Flapjacks won't swipe you. (laughs) Oh, he loves me. I can do anything I want to him. Oh. So jealous. It's very weird. I can literally do anything that I can. He doesn't care, but everyone else, he (laughs) hates them. You're his person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week we are finishing off this book. So mm-hmm. hopefully you'll join us then. And until next time, we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye